Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Secure the Insecure episode 16. This is the podcast where I say it's okay to not be okay. I'm Johnny Seifert and every week I'm joined by one very, very special guest. Sometimes famous, sometimes not. But they want to educate you into their insecurity. This is series three and wow, 15 episodes of education 15 episodes of meeting the most inspirational people that I've come across, that I've seen online, that I've met in person, but just amazing. And the things they've taught me and the things they've taught you, the feedback's been incredible for the podcast thus far in 2019. And therefore, in 2020, I want to continue this. And I thought, look, as we end the decade, let's do one episode to go out with a bang. And that's what we're going to do today. But do not fear, in 2020, there are going to be more episodes of Secure the Insecure than ever before ever before and i'm so excited for you to hear from them we've got some brilliant names coming up and i'm also going to mix up a couple of people that you wouldn't have heard of but i've got such good inspirational stories for you so we're going to do all that plus i want to hear from you i want to see your reviews on the podcast because i'm not seeing them i've not seen any reviews recently on the podcast so please do go on the podcast when you're listening on itunes and rate it Give it a five-star rating and leave a really nice comment because I can't make this podcast successful without your help. And as I've always said, if it can help one person, then I've done my job. That's all I care about. All I care about is helping one person to change the way they think about themselves. So, all that being said, let's talk about this week's episode. Coming on this week's episode, you're going to hear from one of the stars of one of my favourite TV shows, Made in Chelsea. Now, it was October 2018 when we first met Eliza Batten. She's a feminist who, with a background in anthropology, which she studied at Durham University, who knows how to study Chelsea residents' shenanigans. Now, on Secure the Insecure, Eliza opens up about the way she's always felt about her body and how she almost had body dysmorphia. Beautiful girl. Everyone who looks at her thinks she's so beautiful, yet she can't see it in herself. And that's so sad. And it's so sad that someone can look at themselves and go, oh, I don't know. This... This isn't nice. And I'm like, yes, it is nice. So to find out why she had this idea of body dysmorphia, to start this conversation, I wanted to know all about her school days. For me, on the inside, I was an insecure marshmallow. But I put on a very, very strong, confident, probably cocky, loud, in-your-face front. And I think because I put on that front, people thought it was okay to go for me because I came across like I did not care. And I've always maintained that. I'm very, try and keep a really strong face. But I got, I mean, there was a fabulous song that I can still remember. Just to put context in, I was 
tiny, physically really short and the size of a stick just because I was blessed with a high metabolism. Um, but there was Skinny McBone, lived on her own, had legs like twigs, lived in the sticks, and on it went. There was a chorus and a verse, but that's all I've managed that's to horrible. take on. That's so horrible. I mean, yeah, it's not ideal. The fact I can still remember it proves that it sat quite deep. And also, you can't change it. It's not your fault the way you're born. Y- you cannot change it. And my mum, it was funny, all the mums would chime in and say you'll be so grateful for it in the future, which I am now, but I couldn't see that at the time at all. I mean, you couldn't see past the next lesson, let alone 10 years down the line. Did you ever hang yourself from a tree and try and pull yourself in one direction to see if you could grow a bit bigger? (laughs) I used to. No, what I did instead was, I wasn't so bothered about the height. I mean, there were other small girls as well. Like, the height wasn't the major issue, but it was, I couldn't fit into any clothes that all my friends were wearing. I used to have to go to Gap and they had these jeans that had elasticated waists that so it'd stay up and not fall. I was the only one that had braces. I used to get things tailored. I remember when I went to senior school, I hadn't started my period. I was 13 and I was underdeveloped, so my period was a long way. But I said every week of swimming, I had my period, just so I didn't have to swim because I was too embarrassed to be in my swimming costume. The teacher ended up calling my mum saying, I'm, I, she firstly physically can't be having a period every week. And secondly, she doesn't look like she could even possibly have a period. Then she was like, thought that I couldn't swim and she thought I was too embarrassed to swim because she thought I physically couldn't swim. I got a bronze in national swimming. <laughs> what put you off wearing that swimming costume? I had no boobs. And I think that was my main thing. I looked at all the girls. I thought they all had boobs. They looked so voluptuous and womanly. And I looked like a seven-year-old. And so what my mum did was she took my swimming costume and she spent a whole day sewing in a little bra into my swimming costume. Obviously, swimming costumes are quite difficult to tackle with sewing because they've only got a single lining somehow she mastered it i've still got it at home because i like to just look back on it and think god i've come quite far bless her she sewed it in and i, I love my mom for that she was always trying to make me feel the best i could feel even by giving me a little helping hand and then suddenly i was in the pool like a fish and they put me in the slowest lane and then within two seconds they're like now nah, you can go into the fastest that's, lane. that's when you know you've made it um <laughs> what was the reaction like from the girls first of all and then the boys secondly to you having small boobs then when you were swimming it i think it came from we did, had a pe lesson before we were swimming we had a pe lesson and i was wearing a bra because i like to wear a bra to make me feel like I had bigger boobs and it was quite a colourful bra and it showed through my white sports top and one of the boys said why are you wearing a bra when you don't have boobs and I just came away straight with why are you wearing underwear if you don't have a dick and then ran off to the loser <laughs> cried <laughs> I literally that was the first thing that came to my mind I was like I need to rebuttal this and then ran off to the loser and cried my eyes out so I that's the thing I put on a very strong front so the boys thought they could give it as much as they wanted. I remember another boy had a Coke can that was cut in half, so it was quite sharp, and he came up to me and he was like, ooh, I'm going to cut off your boob. Oh, wait, you don't have any. You know, so it was like stuff like that, and I'd give him some jit back, but then go and cry. <laughs> Where do you think that came from then, that the boys judged you on your boob size, that they thought they knew what the size should be? Their voices were still higher than mine, bearing in mind when they're saying this. They're going, ooh, you don't have boobs. You know, I think, unfortunately, in society, girls are sexualized from a much younger age. They develop much earlier, so I was a late developer girls do develop earlier and i think in 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 a very immature way boys think that yeah boobs are really cool there's something about that being 13 and just thinking boobs are the be all or end all but how do they know what the perfect size is because every girl is different and the bigger they are the more back pain you could get for example right so me and my sister and i don't think she'll mind me saying this are very different she has really big boobs and she says it's a nightmare i mean the grass is always greener right like i think no matter what body you're born into you're always gonna think oh i wish i could have that i wish i could have that 
And I think it's just about not caring so much. But it's so much, I mean, I could have said everything and anything to my 13-year-old self and I wouldn't have listened because in the moment it's so, just it consumes you. And so what I used to do when I hit about 14, I actually did get my period at 14, but I still didn't get my boobs. I still haven't got my boobs. <laughs> I'm still waiting on those. But I used to eat a block of cheese every evening and a whole pot of full-fat yoghurt in an attempt to, to put on weight because I thought that my metabolism would be lo- slowest when sleeping. So I'd eat as much fat-concentrated foods just before going to bed to try and wake up in the morning and be a few pounds heavier. And you thought that would make you boobs if you eat cheese and milk so much and yogurt? Place, not just on my boobs. I wanted to be able to fit into jeans that my friends were wearing, not my Gap Kids jeans. Or Miss Selfridge were the first brand I found that did size four. But they were still baggy around the legs. They just didn't look... All my friends have had the coolest skinny jeans and mine just weren't cool and skinny. They were skinny jeans but baggy. Um, so it was more just about fitting in. I think that's what it is. And I think all you want to do when you're at school is fit in. You just don't want to stand out and just... I just felt like I did because of my skinniness. How do you look back now, now that you've, you're nearly finishing university and you look back to that early time when you were first going through your period, do you, mm. would you have done anything differently? Do you think actually, like you said, I'm glad that I look the way I did then now? I mean, it's helped me in my age now because I struggle to put on weight, which apparently everyone wants, you know? like that, that's Everyone seems to tell me that's a massive blessing that I don't have to think about what I eat. Um, again, I'm not sure because I never have had to worry about what I eat, so I can't really say if it's a blessing or not. Um, I assume it is. But at the time, I wish I just didn't care. But it's so easy to say that now. I just thought about it 24-7. And what about the peer pressure from the girls' side? Were you all comparing? And the fact that you started your period a lot later, did that affect any of your relationships with your girls because they were doing things that you wanted to do, etc.? Yeah, I think I probably just pretended I had started it, to be honest. I was very... I just would pretend... I remember my friend once catching me stuffing tissue into my bra and saying, I saw you do that. And she had kind of great big boobs, so I got a bit upset the fact she caught me. And she was really sweet and said, look, you don't need to do that. You shouldn't care, blah, blah, blah. But obviously she can say that because she's got the boobs. <laughs> So it was so easy for her to say that. but And I know she meant well, but nothing really... It didn't matter. I just would stuff the tissue down and I'd fold them perfectly. Because when you grow boobs, you get a nipple first. And you, it's called a budding nipple, I think. Or basically your nipple gets hard and sore. And that's what all my friends are going through. But mine weren't hard nor sore. So I used to fold my tissue every morning meticulously into the shape of a budding nipple. And put it in my crop top. And it was so obvious, actually, looking back, I can see pictures and you can see this very, like, deformed shape, bulge, <laughs> coming from my, under my top. But I just wanted to look like everyone else with their budding nipples. And the same from the boys' side, you know, boys stuffing socks down their, uh, their, their uh, boxer shorts, etc. Yeah. Why do you think that, that size matters so much to people? Because you've studied people and you've, mm. uh, you've done it for three years at university. Why do you think that we care so much about the way we look at ourselves and the perception of ourselves purely down to not the way we act but literally the way we look i think that's because people are first and foremost judged on their appearance and i don't know if that's human nature i don't know if that's society i need to look more into that you just are and i also but i also think everyone's got insecurities so if i'd maybe turned to that girl who had the boobs at school and said what are your insecurities she could have been like oh lies i just hate having boobs i hate feeling like a woman at 14 or 13 like i you know 
I hate that I've developed early, perhaps. Or I had one girl who started her period in year seven and she thought she was bleeding to death because she hadn't really spoken to anyone. Like, nobody knew what her period was. And so she suddenly started bleeding in her pants and thought, oh, my God, I'm dying. So the grass is always greener. I don't think there's a right time for anything. But I wasn't... I was just quite self-absorbed in the fact that that's how I felt and that's all I could focus on. And I just looked at the other girls and thought they are winning. Does that mean, though, that sex education in your school wasn't prevalent and actually there for you when you needed it to actually Mm. tell you this is what is going to happen to you, these are the changes you're going to have? I mean, I can remember them telling us about periods, but perhaps they were too late for year seven. Maybe they've now brought it down. Maybe girls are developing earlier. Maybe she was an anomaly. I don't, you know. Um, Sex education, I think, lacks over the country, to be honest. Um that's something I tried to advocate a lot in my senior school, but they just said we're meeting national standards, so go away. And what were you trying to do? Um, I was a big tomboy, um, and I used to hang out more with boys than girls, and I would sit at the dining room table and listen to how they spoke about girls and assumed... Well, I knew that that was where they learnt it from porn. It was just like lad culture. Everyone always excuses it as locker room chat, but it still doesn't make it okay. And especially it was when my sister walked in and she was in the first year and I was in lower sixth and they started being very derogatory about my sister and her friends that I thought this is so not okay and this we need to talk about this in class. Like there's, I can't say anything. I'm on a table with 11 boys and they'll just not let me sit with them tomorrow and I still wanted to sit with them and ch- hang, hang out with them. And so I would write into the school and be like, this is what I've heard, this is what I've experienced, and I think this needs to be talked about in PSHE. PSHE was compulsory, but we learned about not to take drugs, not to do alcohol, not to smoke, how to put a condom on, and that if you have sex, you'll get pregnant or die from an STI. And so you, we weren't learning about actually actual day-to-day struggles as a student and how we can kind of grow through school. We weren't being guided in social growth, really. What were they saying to your sister and her friends? Oh, God, just like, oh, I would, or one of my friends is called a MILF, or, oh, she's so fit. And, you know, there's a 13-year-old girl, and obviously they're 16-year-old boys, so it's not that big a difference, but it still just made me feel so uncomfortable. Mm. Also, the fact that they were sexualising everything that walked into the room was sexualised or objectified straight away. I think that's where I got my massive streak of feminism was that I felt that girls don't, talk about boys and I mean I can't speak for all girls but I knew when me and my friends talked about the guys that walked in it we didn't sexualize them in that way we'd go oh my god he's so handsome or oh he's so funny and charming or it just wasn't like oh yeah I want to like bend him over as a sentence I suppose the difference is that you as a girl are looking as the princess to find their prince at the top of the castle Mm. and get married and you're looking (laughs) for your husband Mm. whereas the boys like you said they've grown up through pornography so they're looking at a girl in a sexual way yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, where do you think that line is that split boys and girls like that that girls would only think about marriage and boys would only think about sex <sighs> I think it perpetuates through years I think it's often passed down I think in a, I was at a boarding school so you were in an all boys boarding house and you looked up to your older years who that's how they were acting, so that's how you acted. I don't know where the source of it is from. It probably is It probably is quite historical. That I'm no historian, but I would assume it comes from girls being quite virtuous and pure and not dirty. Do you see what I mean? Like, yeah. virginity 
is far more integral to a woman than a man. Like, for men, it's so right. actually irrelevant, whereas across culturally, virginity is this be-all. And do you think that's the case now in 2019? Or do you think we've now changed? No, we've changed. Work? I mean, as I said, cross-culturally, it's very different. Um, I would still say it was a bigger deal. We were always told to wait for the right person, and like, which I totally would vouch for, but the boys weren't didn't have quite the same life lessons i don't know and i don't know if that's parents i would be intrigued if my mum had a son would she say the same thing to him or is it just like you want to protect your little girl you know make sure you find the right person don't be taken advantage of don't like would yeah i don't know if we're looked at as like flowers Mm. in in more than boys are whereas boys can kind of roam free and make bad choices and mistakes and it won't come back to haunt them and they won't be called a slut or a slag or there are just there were no words to call the boys anyway i mean that was a problem the yeah but lads isn't exactly derogatory so when we were sitting there at our tables we couldn't exactly be like he's such a slag that just doesn't it doesn't work whereas for women there are just thousands of derogatory words Again, where that came from, because I suppose the girls had the bedroom culture where they stay at home and they help their mum with the dishwasher and the washing and the ironing, <laughs> whereas the girl... And I know, I know that sounds really stereotypical, as I said it out loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I think girls always wanted to be like their mums. You know, they always wanted the step to help them with the baking, whereas the boys would always go outside to play football or they'd go mm. and play in the street or they'd go out with their friends. And But I don't think if the girls actually wanted to stay home and unload the dishwasher... I didn't. I used to go play football with the boys and I used to always get battered out. They would be like, no, we don't want you to play. So then I'd go have to play with the young years, practice, prove I was good enough and then come back and play again. And where did that tomboyness inside you come from? Was that because you were skinny and you didn't have the boobs that you kind of I pushed think, you yeah, to be more like a guy because you couldn't be putting the makeup on and, you know, perhaps, helping I mean, your bust in the mirror? I think it's a mixture of things. I think firstly, because I developed later, I didn't view boys in a sexual light at all because it just doesn't, I think your hormones kick in to maybe view people sexually. I mm. didn't have that. I thought boys were kind of disgusting. Um, I just didn't want to kiss them. I didn't want to do anything with them. They were just gross, dirty, smelly boys. <laughs> that's just what they were. And that's that was so fine. I kind of loved that. They were my friends. When did you um, last say, dirty, smelly little boys? <laughs> How oh, old every were you? Day. <laughs> boys are still dirty and smelly. No, I'm kidding. Um, uh, I think also I was very sporty and... I loved to play sport. And so my downtime, I wanted to run around and play sport. I am sure that a lot of my female friends wanted to join in but didn't have the confidence to do so. Like, 100%. They would sit on the sidelines and watch. And I could tell they were gagging to come and join. Like, they were my netball team players. They, like, they played sport with me every day. And I could tell they wanted to join. But they, it just took an element of guts that I just had. I don't know. I think I was just lucky. I was just like, who cares? I want to play this. Obviously, it took a lot of practice. I literally had to go down to the first-year boys and play with them for hours to prove that I was good enough to play with my own year group because they didn't, they just wouldn't have played with me otherwise because I was a girl. So taking all those experiences, you then go to university and yeah. then you end up joining a TV show. Yeah. Uh, One that can be notoriously quite sexist. Exactly. So <laughs> let's start with that journey. How did you transition from being at Durham University mm. last year in second year and ending up in Made in Chelsea this year? I think the opportunity arose and I spent... A very long time weighing it up whether How did it'd be worth it. Go, um, mutual friends and social media. I mean, the classic. Just like cast approached on social media. I had links with other current cast members. I'd worked with Hugo Taylor for sunglasses. I'd met a bunch of the cast at various social events. It just, yeah, and they are quite good at messaging loads of people that have links. And did you live in Chelsea? 
Victoria Pimlico down the road. (laughs) (laughs) Made in Pimlico. Still SW. (laughs) And you get a message saying, we want you to join Men in Chelsea, Mm -hmm. an established show, been going for 17, 18 series by the time that you Mm -hmm. were joining. Mm -hmm. What made you want to do it? What made you not want to do it? Um, What made me want to do it was a whole new experience. I just, Durham was fab. I love Durham, but I think I just wanted to try something new. Maybe I have liked attention. I've liked going a bit against the grain, um, doing something that's a bit niche. And actually, it's not niche with the other cast members, but in Durham, it was a bit rogue because people are destined to be bankers or lawyers. And there I was going down to London to do reality TV, which is quite rogue comparatively and yeah i just thought it'd be fun i also i thought it'd be quite cool to have a platform to be able to talk about real issues in the long run which i'm trying to do but it's quite hard and i'm also still coming to with the whole trolling thing so i'm still a bit like oh do i do i not post this because someone will have a differing opinion and am i ready to really try and argue with them about it or whatever why i didn't want to do it was i didn't want to be branded with it and because i really want to get a degree and i want to do to do something more serious maybe i don't i don't want to like belittle the show because it's not not serious and it is a job but something that's p- more fulfilling to me personally and i don't want to that to ever hinder me but i don't think it would i think i ended up being like it's not gonna hinder me i'm not gonna be the next prime minister but there we say that donald trump was a reality tv <laughs> star so you know it doesn't it, does but it is issue led now i mean this series we've had Liv bentley valapisha of alex yeah. talking out about his mum yeah we've had relationship real actual relationship issues rather than the love triangles which yeah, obviously yeah. still go on for i want to say the younger generation who yeah. need that and want that but we grew up with Geordie Shaw where it was very overtly. You didn't need that anymore. And now it is all more issue led. Sure. Um, and they let me talk about my dissertation. It's that's what I was going to say. slightly backfired, but... Well, um, <laughs> we'll talk about that another time. Um, <laughs> but when you're going on a show like that and mm. the trolls are coming out and you've got 35,000 followers on Instagram mm. active on you and they're watching everything that you do, mm-hmm. does it not take you back to when you were at school <laughs> and people were pointing out your flaws then? Because mm. now we've got keyboard warriors who... Doesn't matter if I need to set your face, I'm just going to write it to you. And actually, the first picture I posted when my episode aired, I had people messaging me being like, you need to eat more. And I just thought, oh God, here we go again. This is deja vu. And did you think, actually, I should not have made this call. I should have stayed away from the show. I think I've grown into a woman today where I just don't care so much about the neck down. And I don't get paranoid about it like I used to be. I'm lucky to say that I'm much more secure within myself. Obviously, I've just got a bit... It was when I transitioned into more of a woman that people suddenly were like, oh, we're so jealous of your figure. And I thought, God, this is so weird. Literally a year ago, you were berating me for it. Where has this come from? When they started commenting, I just thought, I'm always going to get people that don't like me. And my mum always tries to say that to me in day-to-day life because I always overthink and I hate when people don't like me. That's one of my biggest fears is meeting someone and they don't like me. And I go back and I scrutinise the social situation and I think, oh, they, they can't like me, blah, blah, blah. And I just thought, actually not everyone's going to like me. They're going to watch the show. I've watched the show in the past and I've had favourites and people I don't like, yet I don't know them. So I've just got to remember these people don't know me, so I shouldn't care. And do you watch those episodes now and go, okay, they might have preferred Maver in that episode. I'm going to act a bit more like Maver or I'm going to act a little bit more like Emily. No, it's easy to do that. I always want to stay true to myself. Um, I'm also, but I'm also not like that. I think that would then be acting. Uh, which is really hard to do when it's reality. Is Im- Improv acting is probably the hardest thing ever. But that's what most people do on these reality shows in general, is that it's a sense of you, but extended sense of you. So you're not acting, but also at the time you know 
what to do to get the airtime. If you want to be in an episode and you want to get a couple of scenes in, like Mark Francis, for example, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know okay, he's going to okay. act up yeah, a little no, bit. He does. More than I, he does. I think that's where I haven't cottoned on to this, and that's why my airtime may be lower than others. <laughs> 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 so I've, I've missed a trick. Um, but again, like I'm not overly bothered because I've got uni, so I'm really lucky to have my plate quite full. That if they don't need me because I'm not acting up to something, it's not the end of the world. But I totally understand. If it is your full-time gig and you're living in London without anything else to do, I would, yeah, maybe cry a bit more and fight a bit more and whatever. But I just don't feel I need to do that. Also, I don't want to ever look back and regret having done something that didn't reflect me accurately. I think I'd just... That would... Yeah, I might regret that. Whereas I'm never going to regret something that is true to myself. That was Eliza Batten from Made in Chelsea there. I wish she could see how beautiful she really is. And I know it's not easy to say that. And I know it's not easy to look in the mirror and go, oh, yeah, you look all right. Look, I look at myself daily in the mirror and think how horrible I look and compare myself to others. But we need to change that dialogue. We need to change the way we think about ourselves. We need to start looking outside the box and thinking, okay, yes, I look this way, but embrace it. My personality outshines everything else. And that is the most important thing. So... If you liked what Eliza had to say, please do like the podcast and share that podcast. Share it with a friend. Tell one friend, look, you need to listen to Secure the Insecure with Eliza Batten because she was incredible. Please put it on your social media websites. Put it on your Instagram. Put it on your Twitter and tell people that they need to listen to it. Help spread the word that it's okay to not be okay. I can't make this podcast successful without your help. So please, in 2020, please do help me to create this podcast and make it a thing. I've been Johnny Sifa. Until next time, thank you. You've been listening to Security and Secure of me, Johnny Sefer. Until next time, thank you and goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.